Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and this podcast is ranked in the top 2% of the most popular podcasts globally. And honestly, it's all because of my truly incredible guests. And I feel so fortunate to spend time with people who are at the top of their game, and they join us with their passion to help you achieve your goals in your personal and professional lives. My guests hold nothing back. They're here to share the secrets of peak performance with us, and I know you'll find their insights both inspiring and actionable. So sit back, relax, take notes, and get ready to take your life and business to the next level. My guest today, Alexandra Nolan, this is I'm so excited to talk with her, is featured on Yahoo's Most Inspiring Influencers list. She is a self-made digital entrepreneur. She is the founder of City Chic, Chic or a Chic? C-H-I-C. I never know. Yes. Chic. Okay. I live in the South. We don't pronounce anything right, but the city she's <laughs> living blog and the UE Academy, and she's a mother of three. That's amazing. How, how do you sleep? So she obtained her MBA from the University of Memphis, studied international business studies at Bournemouth. Bournemouth? Help. Bournemouth. Okay. <laughs> University in England is currently pursuing her PhD in marketing and has appeared in Forbes as well as other notable national publications. And through her passion as a woman women empowerment speaker and mentor to many small business owners, she is paving the way for aspiring entrepreneurs all over the world. And in her words, fear is a natural feeling when considering entrepreneurism. Don't stifle your dreams. Alexandra, welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. It's good to have you here. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, listen, bear with me as I mangle English. <laughs> it's with spring. We're both a little bit congested. I think we're both concentrating on just breathing, but we're going to right. have a good time <laughs> anyway. So before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, so I started off in corporate America, and I was in corporate for about only six years. And all the while when I was in corporate America, I just had, I mean, I was doing great in my job. I loved it. I was in sales. I feel like that's kind of naturally what I am, you know, my skill set is in. But I just had this this pull, this like internal pull to to do something um, creative, and and I had all these ideas for different brands and different businesses, and it just you know as I uh, went on and on in corporate America, it just that pull got stronger and stronger until finally it pulled me right out of corporate America, and I decided to launch uh, my very first business. And, and since then, I've had uh, several businesses. I've, I've sold some businesses. It's just kind of snowball effect since then. Sorry, what was the, the first business you started? So the very first business I started, uh, like, all, like many entrepreneurs, I went part-time because I wasn't, you know, totally ready to give up my full-time paycheck, um, I started a makeup line. And when I was in college, I did makeup all throughout college um, and help, you know, kind of pay for my lifestyle through college. And so whenever I started working in corporate America, I had that, I knew I had this skill set as a makeup artist. And so I launched a cosmetic line. Um, you know, there are um, United States cosmetic manufacturers. So I, um, visited with them, picked uh, the product that I thought would do best and, and um, you know, would sell and just branded that product. And so I did that on the side while in corporate America, and that that cosmetic line grew slowly but steadily, and it came to a point where I had to make the decision, mm-hmm. 
do I want to, you know, uh, go full-time and, and do this, or do I want to um, just kind of keep it as a side hobby? And like I said, that mm-hmm. pool was just stronger. Eventually, I went full-time into it. So my first full-time business was... I'm sorry, um, I didn't I, mean to cough on you. Oh, no, no, you're fine. Uh my very first full-time business was I left corporate America and I launched a cosmetic slash uh, boutique. So I had clothing uh, in the boutique, but also a cosmetic studio at the bottom. And so I would kind of do makeup and health and sell fashion. And Liz, you said something I think is really important because I'm seeing this in the podcast industry in particular. People will say, oh, you know, I'm ready to quit my job. Are you making money? You know, how are you going to support this? Right. If it's a hobby, don't quit your job. But you figured that out. Well, yeah, here's the thing on that, because that is that is the first very big decision as an entrepreneur, right? Like most of us have full-time jobs, and we want to go at it. We want to, you know, go at our own entrepreneurial dreams. But it's like, how do you make that decision? And for me, it comes – here, here's how I did it because I, I get this question all the time. It, there comes to a point where you are you're growing when you launch a business, and especially part you know you're doing it part time, so you've got your full time job, and you're growing, 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 and then you'll see kind of like this um, climb up the ladder, and then it'll plateau. And when it plateaus, that means that you have used all your resources. Most of the time it means you've used all your resources that you can use as far as being part-time. And if you want to start taking, you know, steps up that ladder again, you've got to have more resources. And, and generally that means you need more time. And so you have to make that decision at that point. Monetarily, does it make sense? Almost always, for me, I took a 30% pay cut. Um, I mean, and a lot of times, you know, that's that's a huge jump. A lot of people are like, I can't cut my annual pay by 30% and still live. But that's the risk you take. You, you know, you decide, hey, I'm going to take this 30% pay cut, but I'm going to bust my butt to make it up, and you know, on the back end. And you've got, you know, 50% more of your time if you're – or even more if, you know, if you go at it full time. No kidding. And I have to ask you, did when you figured out that you were going to leave corporate America, did you start with a business plan or is that something that kind of came along later? Because so many people say, oh, I can do this, I can do this, but they really don't have a professional or even a you know homemade business plan. They're just kind of spitting in the wind. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I, I, talk, I wrote a book, and I talk about this in the book. Um, I did not start with a business plan. I highly do not recommend that. <laughs> like not Me too. <laughs> um, you know, oftentimes that entrepreneurial heart just is very is, – is also means that, you know, you're a big risk taker. And so basically the story behind it, it's a great story and I'll and I'll keep it uh as short as I can, but a lot you know, it, it I don't recommend doing what I did in the beginning. It worked out for me. But I was working in corporate America. I like I said, had the the makeup business and one day I was in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm based out of Memphis, Tennessee. I was I was and like I said, I was in sales and I was there to meet a client and I just woke up morning and thought, you know, I I, it wasn't that I hated my job. I loved my job. But I was just like, I just really, I think I can do that. I think I can go full time with my makeup line. And I just woke up with this, with this just, you know, wild bug that I was going to just, you know, pursue my dreams. I don't know. I get these little wild hairs every now and then. And then the next day I wake up and I'm like, what was I thinking? But I, uh, I said before my client meeting, my client meeting was at like 830. I called this, um, commercial district. I lived on a little island at the time in Memphis. And I called and I said, and and in that commercial district, there was only like seven commercial uh, retail places or or like places that you could have like a boutique or a store or a grocery store or whatever. And they were all full. And I I said, I'm going to put this to bed. I'm going to call down there. And if they have an opening, which I knew that they didn't at the time because I lived there, (laughs) I'm going to, that's my sign from God that this is what I need to do. And so it was just kind of like I was just, you know, like I said, that pull back and forth, I was going to, you know, put it to rest. I called down there and I was shocked when the guy said, 
you know, we haven't had an opening in almost 10 years, but the tanning salon, in two weeks, their lease is up, and they're not going to renew that lease. And we're about to put it on the market, and it'll get snatched right up. That space will get snatched up if we put it on the market because, like I said, we haven't had an opening in 10 years. Uh, so if you want it, let me know um, before we list it. And I was like, okay. I got off the phone, went to my client meeting, called him back after the meeting, and said, I want this space. I did not have a business plan. I literally, like you said, spitting in the wind. I had an, an idea and a dream that I was going to, you know, have my little boutique and take my dog to work. And, you know, I was a single woman at the time, and I was just going to be living the dream. And he said, okay. He faxed over the papers for me to sign to my hotel in Birmingham. I signed them and basically signed my life away. If you've ever signed a commercial lease, uh, you sign everything away to it that you're going to make it happen. And I woke up the next morning and then I was like, oh, what did I do? Okay, I guess I'm doing this. I had to put in my two weeks notice. And then less than three weeks later, I uh, had a store open and, and ready for business. See, I call those God winks. And they come out of nowhere. For me, they come really two, three places. One is in the shower. When, I, when you're in the shower <laughs> and, you, you know, I take my showers hot enough to steam cabbage. Seriously, it's and so many ideas just download because you're not thinking you're relaxing you're trying to just you know clear your brain i take bathtub crayons in the shower with me because i'm write that down write that down not that one that's no good write that one down write that one the others i'm telling you it works and as soon as the steam clears you know i go take a picture of the the bathroom wall though not the bathroom walls but the shower stall and then wipe it all down but when I'm walking the dog, I fall into what I call a walking meditation. Great ideas come there. And the other place is opening my refrigerator door, believe it or not. Really? You know, yes. In fact, I will deliberately go stick my half of my body, you know, open the, the French doors on my refrigerator, and I just stick my head in there because I go blank. It's an instant meditation. You're not thinking about a darn thing. And that's when try it. I do it multiple times. Because we all know you get to the refrigerator door and you're standing there with it open going, why am I here? How did I get here? You just go. Okay, I can play that has happened before. I haven't gone into meditation mode, but next time I'm going to try it. I have a squirrel brain. My brain never shuts down. Yours doesn't either. Go stick your head in the fridge. It'll slow down. And it gives you that brief moment where creativity can come knock on your, you know, your inside your brain and go, hey, can you pay attention to me now? We, I've got time. How about you? It works. Yeah. I'm telling you. So anyway, but like you, when I started my business 20 some odd years ago, no earthly idea what I was doing. There was nobody to train me. There was nobody to help me. I'm a web developer. I have a digital agency. I had to figure it out all on my own. But I knew I was never, ever going to be in somebody else's office again. I don't play well with others. I run with scissors. And if you want coffee, you can get it your own damn self. I'm not doing it. So, there's <laughs> so I had to do it on my own. And let me tell you, that first six months, I was going, oh, geez, what the hell were you thinking? More than, you know, you said, well, what was I thinking? I was thinking, what the hell was I thinking? I had a lot of talks with myself, but I knew I could do it. There was no question I could do it. It definitely is like drinking from a fire hose. Um, yep. But at the time, it's just. You just that the the feeling of I can I can get this done and I don't even know if it's that it's confidence at that point for me I don't even know that it was confidence I think it was like I better get this done or I'm gonna lose my car and my house and everything at this point because I've given up everything to do this Yep, I've been there I, mean, I look back and go Oh my God and you know I was married at the time and. My, the deal was that my ex-husband said, okay, we can go, you know, I'd just gotten my computer science degree. I was no longer working. I had been working part-time during the day and going to school at night. I did whatever I had to take. I'd shut my, my brick and mortar business down. And there was just a lot going on. And the deal was that I had six months to make it work or I was going to have to get a job job. 
that was never an option for me. He thought it was, but there was, it was never, ever an option for me. And I flat lied to him. I have to admit it. He'd say, you know, are you starting to put out your resume? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Six months. <laughs> I just look him in the eye and lie to him because I was not going to go work for somebody else. But I had this knowing in my heart and in my soul. I knew I could do it. So the week before that six months was up, I got my first web client. And I was off and running. Oh, like you said, it's a God thing. I really, truly believe it is. And you, you'll know. Like a lot of people, you know, entrepreneurs too, it's like, when do I throw in the towel? Because, like, you know, it takes time. It takes you a don't. lot of work on the front. <laughs> yeah, don't. you don't throw in the towel. Yeah. And, and you know, because a lot of times, you know how it is. You work so hard. And, and, like, in the beginning, no one knows who you are. So you've got to put yourself out there. And it takes time to start making money. And people are like, you know, when is it that I've used up all my resources? And I'm like, look, first of all, you're right, you don't. And second of all, it always happens that it's like you get a sign. I, I know this sounds crazy, not to get all philosophical and all no, that. No, they're God winks. They show up. Yep. Pay attention to them. Exactly, exactly. And they continue, too. Like, I mean, I've been working for myself now since 2012. So, wow, going on 11 years. Um, and it's just Right when I, you know, you have, it's a roller coaster. You've got really great highs, but you also have lows. I mean, it's such as life. But whenever you're like, oh, am I doing the right thing or the wrong thing? Yeah, the God wink happens and, and you can, it, it just leads you the right way every time. It, it does. And I'm so glad we're talking about this because it's important for people who think they're an entrepreneur or want to become an entrepreneur. And yeah, we can be trained to do that. Largely, I have to say, though, it's a mindset. You're either in or you're not. And then once you decide, you know, I can do this. I don't necessarily need to go get a job job. I just just did a whole body free song just thinking about that. That's just never, never. (laughs) I'll mow lawns. I can't mow grass because I live in the deep south. It gets hot and humid here. We have three seasons Hot, hotter in hell in the mud season, which is basically six months of the year. When yeah. it gets too hot and I try to mow the lawn or work in the yard, I will actually throw up on my own feet. I get so sick out there. I would rather mow grass than go work in somebody else's office. That's how bad it is. And since I, I can't mow grass, I have to make my business work. So it's a, it's a roundabout way of saying, you got this, Denise. <laughs> I 100% feel you on that. And, I mean, you in the introduction, Alexandra, I mentioned that you say fear is a natural feeling when considering entrepreneurism. Don't let it stifle your dreams. Let's dig into that a bit. Yeah, so I love talking about this because I mentor a lot of people that are peeking over the fence at entrepreneurism. And, you know, they fear it's a flight or fight or yeah, flight or fight. I'm like, am I saying that right? A response. So, you know, when you're getting ready to do something that doesn't feel natural, that's different, that is going to flip your life on its head in a good way. And the natural response is fear because, you know, we all have that in us and it's that flight or fight uh, thing. The thing is, is that most of the time, I would say like 85% of the time or more, I hear this all the time from people that want to start their business. They don't because that fear happens and it wells up inside of them and they start thinking all of the what ifs and, and all of the negativity comes up and then they just don't do it. And it's, it, it just stifles them. You know, I experienced that in the beginning. I had four or five different business ideas all through college. I would kind of piddle around. I had like a, a lotion line I started. I started a spline. My, my college roommate, I still talk to her to this day, and she laughs about it all the time, how she would wake up in the morning and I would be there with my coffee making soap before class. Um, but I never, <laughs> I never put it I'm laughing though. because like, I've done things like that. It's like, what do you mean have you? when I'm dead? What's wrong with you people? Right. I don't need to sleep. Right. Yeah, it was a problem. Like, I did all that, and it was fun. It was a hobby. It was creative. It was it, it was kind of like starting the idea, but I would never put it out there. Like, I would never, you know, uh, go to conventions or, like, or set up pop-up shops or anything like that because I just the fear inside of me was just like, 
you know, I'm good at this, but I'm not that great or, you know, or what am I thinking? I can't just start this business. And it stifled me for quite a long time. And it wasn't until I told you, like I told you when I launched the boutique that I had that, you know, wild hair um, that until I actually just said that I'm pushing the fear back and I'm just going to do this. I remember thinking to myself, what's the worst thing that that could happen? Yeah, I've lost my job. Uh, I can't pay my bills, but I can always get a new Other one. Than you know? that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, uh, but but yeah, I you know, and I so what I what I say about that to entrepreneurs is, if you're feeling, if you have this great idea, and you just feel it in your bones that it's good, but the fear keeps shoving you back down. It is a you're you're on the right path to entrepreneurism. That is the first natural feeling that I, I feel like every almost every entrepreneur I've ever spoken to has said. The first thing I felt as an entrepreneur was fear. So if you're feeling that, then you're feeling the same thing that every entrepreneur has felt that has gone before you. So you can make the decision to let the fear take control and stifle your own dream, or you can push it out of the way and just, you know, steamroll forward. And and I always say, push it out of the way, steamroll forward, because the worst thing, and, and I tell my kids this, my husband this, everyone, they're like, what would be the worst thing in your life? The worst, well, uh, not the worst thing in my life, the worst thing on your deathbed, let's just say that. There's a lot worse things than this, but the the thing that would just me feel like I didn't live my life to the fullest is if I was on my deathbed and I thought to myself, I should have done that. Why didn't I do that? But now I'm dying, so I can't do it. You know, so like, so to me, it's like if I feel like I'm going to have that feeling of why didn't I do that? I just do it. Just do it and see what happens. It's, it's only life, you know. It, you can, you know, mold it however you need to. Exactly. And what you're talking about to, to a large degree is something I identify as imposter syndrome. We're all guilty of that. It's like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'd, nobody's going to pay attention to me. I'm invisible. Listen, my podcast has reached all over the world. I'm in the top 2%, and I still think I'm invisible. Now, how <laughs> stupid is that? It never goes away. It, it I, I doesn't. It really doesn't go away. Even, you know, I always think about like movie, you know, famous movie stars and singers. I bet they still feel that way. It's just, it's being, it's humanity. It's being a person. Like no matter how big you grow your brand, you always just feel like, well, it's just little old me, you know, like I'm just a speck in this universe, you know? Exactly. I had somebody on Facebook send me a really nice note the other day. She said, I'm fascinated by you. I've been observing you from afar for years. And I kind of went, really? Why? (laughs) And that really was my response. And it was such a nice note. And I had to stop and think about that and go, wow, people actually do pay attention when I put something stupid or silly or even brilliant on social media. But I don't know what they're seeing. I, you know, we don't know what people are seeing. All we can do is just get out there. Yeah, absolutely. I can, I can so relate to that. So uh, later after I sold my brick and mortar, and the reason why I sold it was I um, started doing social media influencing, actually. And I can so relate to everything you're saying about that because, you know, I grew the platform, grew the platform. And I post on it every day because now it's my full-time job. But I still, when people reach out, they say, oh, you know, I've been following for a few years now. And, and I'm like, really? Like, it's just thing every day. But I don't, you know, a lot of times people don't speak up. So you just, sometimes I wonder if anybody's really out there. <laughs> exactly. I do this all the time. Like, okay, I put out all my social media. I've created, you know, graphics. I'm just, why doesn't anybody love me? We all do it. Yeah. <laughs> Get over yourself. <laughs> okay, so what are the biggest trends or upcoming developments in your industry as an influencer that you're excited about? What's going on? Oh, gosh. Well, um, let's see. As an influencer, so I started, I'll, I'll kind of give you a brief on how it started and then, like, what's happening now because there are some I don't know if I would call them exciting or scary developments, and so I'm trying to pivot my career. Um, When I had my boutique, so I 
you know, like I said, started on a whim with my high school and college savings, which was only $10,000. I would never recommend that. You need at least like $60,000, to start a brick-and-mortar store at the minimum. So all that to say, I had no money for marketing. And so I started taking selfie pictures of my clothing in the store and in, in, in mirrors in the store. And I was posting these. I was just trying to sell my product, and it was working. I started selling a lot online. Eventually, the following grew, grew, grew uh, to the point where other brands were reaching out. At first, they were like, you know, I was very closed-minded. I had other clothing brands reaching out saying, hey, will you post pictures of our clothes? I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm not going to cannibalize my own business here. So at first, it was like, no, no, no. And then the light bulb finally went off is like one of those God winks that kept happening over and over. And I'm like, okay, hold up. How do I monetize this? So it used to be called my, my clothing store was called the ivory closet. It used to be called the ivory closet blog. Well, I thought I need to, I need to separate this brand it. I'm going to call it city chic living. And that's where that comes from. Dot com blog. Uh, so uh, city chic living.com separated it out, branded this whole separate thing to separate it from the boutique. I started doing the blog and doing, still doing selfie photos. It was largely fashion in the beginning. It is now hardly any fashion. If you go over there, it's more parenting, travel, lifestyle, recipes, all of that, which recipes is funny because I'm a terrible cook, but um, I share my, <laughs> my cooking uh, episodes on there. And so that finally grew to the point where it was, Again, that whole it started plateauing, but it was a lot a lot of money to be made. And I thought, well, the only way I'm going to be able to take the next level is to sell the store and do the influencing full time. So I did that. I've been doing that now for three years full time. My Instagram handle, uh, just shameless plug, Alexandra.Nicole, but that's where I post every day stories, everything, uh, the whole the whole nine yards, my whole life. The scary thing, and I say, you know, all of that to say, the trends. So there are several different, I feel like there are tons, actually, not just several tons of different social media platforms popping up left and right. You never know when one's going to lose its, you know, excitement and another one's going to become the next big thing. So as a creator, you're always uh, just tasked with, keeping in the forefront, so knowing what all those different social media platforms are and having a presence there. And right now I have a presence on five different platforms. It's very hard to manage. It is definitely more than a full-time job. Um, and then the other thing about it is it's scary because you've got so many people wanting to do it. And so when it was, it's still very profitable, um, but a lot of newcomers are coming in and undercutting prices of us, you know, Ooh. I call us OGs. Yeah. So, so where I could make a, you know, a great living and still can right now. Um, I'm just trying to stay ahead of the ball and, and that's why I've developed another business. But um, while I could make, you know, we're talking like, you know, six digits, really great industry. It's starting to dwindle year over year by 10,000. Last year it dropped by 20,000 because I keep up with my with my um, sales every year, what I do. Last year I did 20,000 less than I did the year before. So it's like as I'm watching this, I'm thinking, okay, and, and it is definitely people coming in, creating content for less. We all have iPhones now. You don't have to have expensive equipment. When I first started, right. I had to. Right. Yeah, I had the expensive camera, all of that. So anybody can do it, and and so um, and it's just it's it's hard because it, they're you know the undercutting of the prices. So it's very uh, lucrative, but it's also becoming extremely competitive. Okay, I'm confused. So when you say they're undercutting your prices, walk us through that because I'm not entirely sure. So let let me see. I'm going to take a wild guess here. So bear with me. So when you decided that you were going to go ahead and basically partner with other people who had clothing lines or makeup lines, you essentially became an affiliate. Is that about correct? Okay. So it No, not correct. Okay. Talk. (laughs) Keep going. That is definitely a way to make money. Um, There are so many different ways to make money as an influencer. So one of the main ways that influencers start is affiliate. You're right. So they get the links and they uh, get – free product and they post about it and they get, they get where they get a a 12% on every purchase and all of that. 
That's not quite how I started. That is a very small, I would say probably 5% of my income I do affiliate. Um, other ways money is you get pay per post. So if I, I, I sign a contract and it's creating, a lot of times it's like we want you to create this video, we want you to post it, and then we want rights to it so that we can boost it on our side for advertising. And so that is that is largely, I would say, 90% of my income is a brands will come to me and pay per Instagram post um, so that I will, you know, create the content, post it, and then they will also get rights to it to use on their own platforms. Okay, that makes sense. And now I remember I'm not a Kardashian fan, ever, never will be, <laughs> but I admire their business sense. I mean, they know what the heck they're doing from the moment they wake up to the, they probably even in their sleep. But I have seen, this is a long time ago, but I have seen reports where one Kardashian or the other would get like $500,000 for a post. I'm like, what? Yeah. That just boggles my mind. But that's kind of what you're talking about. Absolutely. So, you know, and a lot of people ask this, so um, I'll put it out there. People are like, well, how do you, you know, how do you know when when you're on Instagram? Like, how do you know when you should be getting paid and then how much? Um, we, I always tell people, and this is this is pretty, like, if you Google it, it's, it's out there. For when you get to about 10,000 followers, um, and especially if if you have a lifestyle brand and all of that, um, or even if you have a niche, like if you have a um, fitness brand or something, you can start working with fitness. Um, or like if you if you post fitness content, you can start working with fitness brands. Once you, they say once you get to about ten thousand, that's charging per post. And for every ten thousand followers that you have, it's a hundred dollars. So if you have twenty thousand followers, you should be getting paid two hundred dollars per post. Interesting. Alexandra, I have to ask you, are you teaching this? Have you created a course or consulting? You should be teaching this. I, I'm i not teaching specifically on blogging. I do mentor a lot of people. I did write a book called The Unconventional Entrepreneur. Um, it, it can be applied to blogging. It can be applied really to anyone who wants to become an entrepreneur. Um, I teach not only do I tell stories, very real, raw stories of my ups and downs, but mainly, largely, the book is how do you do it? This is how I did it. How do you do it? And how do you do it unconventionally so that you stand out so you're not doing traditional business practices like everyone else? You're, you know, doing these unconventional strategies that really set you apart so that you can really, you know, succeed much better. And in the book, I've got lessons. I've got, you know, little areas uh, like workbooks and or worksheets in the book. I've got QR codes where you can print out packets that, you know, kind of help you brainstorm and all of that. So while it's not specifically on blogging, um, it's more, you know, on anyone who wants to go full time. Give us the name of the book again and where do people find it because I need to go get it. Yeah, okay. It's called The Unconventional Entrepreneur. Um, I just direct people to my Instagram page uh, because I have a bazillion different websites with all the different businesses. Um, if you go to my Instagram, it's alexandra.nicole. Uh, it's, uh, the link is in the bio. Or you can go to my blog, citysheekliving.com. There's a link there to purchase as well. Oh, I'll be grabbing that. Yeah, that's where I was going to head over there. I like to read these things on Kindle if I can. So yeah. thank you. So what are some of the biggest trends or upcoming developments in your industry that you're either excited about or on the other side of that coin worried about? So I would say, um, gosh, as far as excited about, it is a growing industry. I, I, like the numbers, I don't have the numbers right off the top of my head for this year, but I believe in 2020 it doubled and it was it went from being a $2 billion, oh gosh, I, I don't want to throw the wrong numbers out there. I know that it doubled into the billions. I was going to say um, $4 billion, $4.1 billion business in the influencer industry. Um, but all I know is it was a billion something and then it doubled in a year. So that's great news. Um, it is an industry where there are an infinite amount of brands, and they're only realizing the the value of 
authentic content, you know, before it was let's hire a celebrity or an actress and let's, you know, have a makeup artist and a hairstylist and let's have a set and let's do this whole scenario for a TV commercial. And now I was featured on a TV commercial uh, last year, actually during the Super Bowl for Everlywell. And it was literally, I had my iPhone on a tripod. I did my own hair and makeup. I did a video that I didn't post, by the way. They they just wanted content for themselves. If I would have known they were posting it on the, during the Super Bowl, I would have charged a whole hell of a lot more. But um, they said, hey, we want to send you a kit and do a, will you just do a video for us and, you know, review? I said, yeah. So I set up in my kitchen on a little bar stool, talked about, I, I used their product and I, gave an honest review and it ended up being posted during the Super Bowl. And all that to say is that, you know, these brands are seeing the value of, you know, just, you know, girl in her kitchen, guy in his kitchen talking about their experience with the brand and that's it. You know, not only are they saving thousands of dollars of having to, you know, have a videographer, hairstylist, makeup artist, all of that, they're just outsourcing this stuff. So it's great for anyone who wants to be in this business. Um, too, with all of that to say, um, when I started, it was all about the follower count, right? So the more followers you have and, um, you know, you can get more brand partnerships. A lot of times, and it's slowly creeping up, I would say about 20% of all of the content that I post, 20%, or I'm not post, I'm sorry, that I create, 20% of it now, and in the beginning, it was more like, when I say beginning, uh, well, three years ago. I've been doing it much longer than that, but when I left full-time, uh, sold my business to do this full-time three years ago, it was only about 5% of my content, but right now, 20% of it, brands are just reaching out. And they're like, we don't even need you to post. I mean, you can if you want. We want to pay you just for the videos and just for the reviews. Oh. And yeah, so like you can you can get into this business, um, and it's harder to do it if you don't have the following. But you can do it by just putting yourself out there and creating good content. So that's exciting. It's exciting to know that um, it's not totally hinging on my Instagram following uh, because I have to be quite honest. If Instagram decides to shut down tomorrow, I'm out of job. <laughs> so I'm right. trying to put all that in that basket. And and. I have to, this is just me being me, but when I hear as a rule the word influencers, my brain automatically goes to fake hair, fake eyelashes, bolt-on boobs, yeah. fake tan. You know, just, I'm like, no, thank you, no. So, yeah. What you're talking about is completely different, and I'm so glad that you're opening up my mind, because the Kardashians, not a fan. But I do it oh, again. Yeah. I admire their their business acumen. But I see some of these people who are influencers, and let's look at Bud Light briefly. Let's, or better yet, let's don't. But yeah. <laughs> you know, some of these people, you look at them and go, "What are they? Are they human? Yeah. Are they trans? Are they real? Are, are you know? Are they a deep fake? What the heck are those? I want nothing yeah. to do with that. I just don't. You're not going to influence me to do anything other than to go and leave the room. Yeah. I have to admit, it's funny you say that. Um, I just, I never, if you would have told me, you know, 20 years ago that I would be an, an influencer. And first of all, I wouldn't have known what that is 20 years ago. I don't even right. think it existed. But, it didn't exist. But, no, it didn't exist. But if you were to tell me that, I would have been like, what? I mean, I am just not – literally, I, I'm just an entrepreneur. I'm a serial entrepreneur. It's just where the ball rolled, and I just – I fell into it. Um, you know, like I said, I started it just to market. Like, I wasn't – I remember taking photos of myself in the mirror, and I wasn't, like, all into it. I was like, I'm going to cover – most of the time, I didn't even have my face in them. I was like, oh, gosh, I don't even want to do this, but I need this business to work, so I need to take these photos – just put them out there. It was really uncomfortable, but it grew. And now, you know, now I'm all over the, the, the camera all the time, but it wasn't, it was never something I aspired to be. And that's also why uh, I can pivot out of it. You know, like I'm here now, it's, it's great money. And I do, I do genuinely love, like I've, I've made so many connections with my audience. Um, I, I have learned to really, really love it. Um, but the, it's it's more 
real talk, you know, I'm on, over my space of the world of, of the internet. Um, but it's also why I'm able to pivot out of it. I don't see myself doing this forever. Um, I would love for my full-time job to be my new business that I launched this year and just be able to have the Instagram, you know, just whenever I want to post. Right now I, I am I'm obligated to be there, I mean, because it is my full-time job. But it's funny you say all of that uh, because, yeah, same thing. I thought – uh, when the influencer thing started happening and I made the decision to have the blog full time, I thought to myself, am I really going to do this? Like this, this just doesn't feel like me. But I think that's also why it ended up doing well is because I was kind of like, Hey, I'm here. Here I am. Like, this is what I'm doing right now. And I'm just going to be real about it, you know? And influencers like you who do show up as you, you're not faking it, you're not making up a bunch of garbage, or as we say in the Deep South, garbage, you know, you're just showing up as you and you want to help other people by saying, you know, look at this product. Look at this. I don't know about you, but if I don't believe in something, I can't promote it. I, it, I just oh, can't. I have turned down so many brands that are like, hey, we really want you to promote this and, and we'll give you, you know, thousands of dollars to promote it. And I'm like, I just can't, like, I can't, I can't sell myself out, you know, and if, whether if I, I know it doesn't work or, I mean, there have been like um, intimate product brands that come to me and they're like, hey, we really, <laughs> and I'm like, there's no amount of money. I mean, I'm not knocking it, but I'm not putting that on the internet. <laughs> I had the same thing when I started my business, your office on the web, you know, largely web development because, listen, I'm a nerd in stilettos. I dream and code, literally. I'm always thinking. I'm always building. I can be standing over the, the, you know, stove making a gumbo, and I'm building a website in my head. It's already built. I don't have to put it on paper. It's It's there. I can see it. But when I first started, I had to get for starters to get my first couple three websites I had to go cold calling I'm an introvert you talk about painful and I live in the deep south we we're in the oil belt right here you know and the only places I could go and get into without hitting that gatekeeper were people who owned you know oil industry businesses and they'd you know they'd be sitting there with a beer in their hand on a Friday and their feet up on the desk going hey darling let's go jeez and I sell them a website (laughs) but after I got you know, established no more of that. Nice guys, they really were, but I'm not any more than two people is too peopley for me. But yeah. I then I also found out very early on that I had to put on my website, I do not build porn sites. Don't ask. It was a thing. <laughs> so, no, the answer is no. No, don't ask. <laughs> I mean, I only had to leave that up for about a year. People just went, are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty darn sure. Yeah, there's a reason why you put it there, right? They're like, why is that on your site? Well, there's a reason. (laughs) Yeah, and like you, they would say, but I'll I'll pay double. No, you won't. Not to me. You won't. Have a nice day now. Go away. It's crazy, though, Mel, you know, when the taboo brands that will come up. I mean, whether it's like. Good uh, good turn. Yeah, taboo, whether it's alcohol, which, you know, I I have partnered with alcohol brands before because I do like my gin or wine. But, um, but like, yeah, more taboo or, like, um, smoking, that kind of thing. I mean, like I said, I'm not knocking it. When you're at home, do what you will and do what makes you happy. But it's just not – you can't – there's just no amount of money. However, if it's something you're not – you don't care to you know about and you're and you're in this industry you're looking at getting in this industry it pays quite well but you've got to sell your soul (laughs) well and that's just it now how do you if you're going to stay true to yourself true to your brand because your brand is you and I don't know why people don't understand that you are your brand you better figure it out quickly who you're going to be and how you're going to show up Absolutely. And that is more, I I have a whole section in the book, in my book about that. It is more and more so like the evolution of business used to, it was you have a product and the product is, is front facing and whatever the name on that product is, that is the brand. That is no longer uh, with the digital world, I, I say upon us, it's been upon us just ever growing so quickly. You are your brand. Even if you have a product, it's you. People want to know 
who's the person who created this? What's the driver behind it? Who, you know, who are they and do I like them? And if I like them, then I'll buy their product. And hopefully the product's good, right? But, like, everyone is – they're looking at the person behind it more so than ever. So it's – yeah, you got to think about those things, what you put out there, you know? Well, it used to be if we wanted to buy a product, you know, pre – not pre-internet, but – pre-internet as we know it we would have to go to that big book what was it to you know look at washing machines and look at cars what the heck was that big book um yeah and it'll come to me at 3 18 in the morning but that's where you had to go and then you know all of a sudden we had graphical user interface gui so now we could see pictures and we can talk with one another there's been a lot of you know just movement on the internet space so many things have changed. So you can't hide behind, oh, well, you know, go to that big book. Somebody tell me what the heck that is. Uh, Rand McNair, no, that's a map. Anyway, it'll come to me. But you were limited in what you could find out about these brands. That's no longer the case. So I will go a little further and say be careful who you're listening to because you don't know if they're just being paid to put out a bunch of junk, you know, blah, 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 about this product, or do they really – understand the product that they're trying to tell you about or at least admire the product or the you know the business or whatever it is there has to be some ethics and you have it a lot of people don't yeah that that is definitely true and it's and it's pretty easy to spot in the influencer world now i mean if you're following someone and one minute they're talking about this is the best moisturizer ever, and then the next day there's a different moisturizer. This is the best right. moisturizer. I have noticed that. Like pick a spot. All right, do this. Yeah. Put it on half your face and put the other one on half your face, and let's see right. what really works. And do that for a right. month. No lying. <laughs> yeah, it's just that you know, and and it's and, and I will say uh, it was. When I started, you know, doing it full time, actually it was more, it was before I started doing it full time. It was more so when I started getting paid. You're tempted to just take any job that comes your way because you're so excited that you're getting paid. You're like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And it finally, there came to a point and that was, gosh, so I started in 2012, so I'd say around 2015, 16, where I was like, okay, there has to be some authenticity. And it wasn't that I was just promoting things that weren't me. I wasn't necessarily selling my soul. I was promoting a lot of different things that I liked, but a lot of them were in the same product category. And I'm thinking there has to be some separation. There has to be some authenticity. I've got to be able to say, you know, yes, I love your shampoo, but really I promoted this other shampoo last month and I really love that. And I, you know, I've tried it. I love it. I stand behind the brand and I just, you know, I can't, get on there full with a full heart and say that I love this product when I actually love that product, you know? So you have to, uh, you have to know when to, um, you know, say no to certain jobs and and really keep it authentic. And I I feel like largely I've, I've, um, well, all the way, not even largely all the way, keep it authentic. I've, I've learned that lesson several years ago. So I, you know, try to, um, with everything that I do, be as transparent as possible. Exactly. Recently, you know, my my digital agency had a client, you know, pop up or client consultation. Turned out that he was in largely the same industry as one of my very long term clients. He's web developer. I've done all of his social media for a decade now, and he wanted me to take him on as a client. And when I looked at how close he was to my my client. I had to say no. You know, I cannot yeah. promote or talk about two clients in the same geographical area. And he kept saying, yeah, but me and mine's different. I don't care. I'm sorry. No. You know, if this client yeah, and I ever part ways, then we can talk. But right now, no. I can recommend you go to somebody else. And I'm happy to do it, but I was not going to dump myself into that. It would have been really dishonest, really poor form to take on another client when I already have that one who has been very good to me for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I love that. So many people are just, you know, that have the carrot dangling in front of their face, the carrot being dollar signs and they will, uh, you know, 
undercut or or throw someone else down under the bus just to get that money. But, you know, karma, it's out there. It, you, if you do it, you will regret it. So I live by that, you know, do what's right by other people, what's right by people who have been loyal to you, all of the things that you're doing. I just love that. That is, that's one of the biggest things I can tell people that are, um, you know, wanting to start their own business, look, peeking over the fence at entrepreneurism is be sure you stay on the right side. of <laughs> Be sure you don't. Uh, you know, you have the loyalty, I guess. It's important. And here's the thing. We all tend to get to know one another, yeah, especially in the podcast industry. When we come across a guest, and this is rare, I have to say, because I have a very robust, you know, booking system, as you know, you went through it. But every once in a while, we'll get somebody who's just a doink. <laughs> There's other ways to put it, but I'm going to go with it. And I'm t- you make us mad, we know each other, and we will send out a blanket email going, don't bring this idiot on your podcast. You have been warned. <laughs> so don't mess with us is what I'm telling you. But you, you had mentioned Alexander just a little bit ago, and I kind of glossed over it because we're having so much time chatting or so much fun chatting. You mentioned your new business, your new project. What is it? What are you up to? Okay. Yeah, so it is completely different from um influencing so i um i went back to two years and a four-year phd i took a break to start this business this is how passionate and how i just i was like this is like this is cutting edge i've got to do this right now before someone else does it so i was uh, marketing in the phd program uh, studying marketing and i really heavily got into sensory marketing so um, what is that That's a term I have not heard. Yeah, that's why I had to start this business, because I just know that this is the way forward. So sensory marketing, when I started the PhD program, because I'm, you know, I've had all these small businesses, I was like, I want to create a marketing strategy that will help brick and mortar, small brick and mortars compete against the Walmarts, the Amazon, all of that. Because while I love Amazon, Walmart, Target, all of it, you know, the American dream is the small business, and, and we've got to keep that alive. And a lot of times people just don't show up because of the convenience of ordering from a Walmart or an Amazon online. True. So thought, oh, I'm guilty. Yeah. yeah, I am too. And I hate to say that because I've owned brick and mortars. I know the struggle to get people in the door, but I, d- I didn't want to see it die. So I thought I'm going to go back and, and I'm going to come up with some crazy cool strategy that's cutting edge to get people back into the small business, brick and mortar at least. And so I got into sensory marketing, and what that is is like touching on the five senses. So I'm I'm heavily into smell right now, and I'm, I plan on expanding my business, and I'll kind of explain it more about the smell. But it's it's when someone comes into your brick and mortar, how do you um, evoke emotion or deep thought or any kind of like brand recall based on what you offer other than just your products, like, you know, um, a signature scent, visualization, and how do you tie all that together to really create a memorable, memorable experience? So there's a lot of research happening on that right now, but I wanted to take it a step further and I thought, okay, better yet, like I want to, I want to be like paved the way and be the entrepreneur of the marketing world when it comes to research. Like that's my dream. I'm gonna make that happen eventually. But so when I say that, better yet, there's been all this research on how do you get people into your store? Obviously, you know, flyers, whatever, commercials, all the things. Then there's research on how do you influence impulse buying, purchase decisions, um, you know, their perception of your brand while they're in your store. But the research is really limited on how do you evoke brand recall after they leave the brand space. And so I started thinking about it, and I thought, well, you know, you can, they've got commercials. They've got magazine ads. I guess that's how they do that. And, and right before I was about to shut that idea down on my how I'm going to take the entrepreneur path and market, marketing research, I thought, wait a minute. But those are all intrusive ways. Like, no one wants to see a commercial. No one wants to – no one buys no. a magazine for that, you know? So, no. so I'm like, okay, I might be onto something here. How do we – how do we stimulate brand recall and, and a brand experience outside after the customers left the brand in the privacy of their own home that they actually want to experience that's non-intrusive? So I thought, huh, 
maybe if we, you know, touched on the five senses. So my new business is I'm working with hotels, boutiques, um, spas, really any kind of retail establishment, but mainly hotels, boutiques, and spas to scent. They choose a signature scent for their space. Now, that's not rocket science. A lot of brands are doing that. But with that scent, they also get they can choose to do reed diffusers, candles. Um, we've got. I was going to ask about candles. Yeah. I, I have. In fact, I'm smelling mine right now. I, I um, spent way too much less much time last year on QVC. <laughs> You're probably going to wind up there, <laughs> buying the Harry Slaken um, candles homeworks. And I've got one on my my uh, bookcase right now. It smells wonderful. Yeah, everyone loves candles, but he, the thing behind it, the the trick. I say behind it is that they have, so they've been in your place. They've experienced it. Hopefully oh. they're, they've, they've smelled the smell that that is your brand and they've seen the visualization and they've also been alerted to always say, tell your sales reps to say, Hey, you know, um, this is our signature scent. This is our new experience. What? And I'm going to tell you, I actually did this in my own boutique when I had it. You don't even have to say it. People walk in, they're like, ooh, what's that smell? I can smell it on the sidewalk. You're like, oh, it's our signature scent. Oh, do you have that in a candle? Yes, I do. Well, when they buy uh-huh. the candle, they, right, When they, the, the key, though, is when they buy it and they go home, on the candle, I'm branding it with the boutique's brand or the hotel's brand. So when they walk up to it and they light it, they are initiating the brand experience. They're looking down. They're visually seeing the brand. They're lighting the candle. They're smelling the brand. And it is further establishing that brand recall. At that point, they will have like a re-experience in their mind of your brand because they're looking at it. They're smelling it. They smelled it in the store. Hopefully, they had a great experience in your store, and they're going to think about that experience again. And every time, if the if the candle's on their you know kitchen island or whatever, every time they go to light it, they'll look down and they'll see that brand name, and it will the recall just a step. You know what you can do? You can brand. I'm going to give you my best idea here. I use okay. candle warmers. I don't ever light my candles. I use candle warmers. So I can turn uh-huh. them on. I can put them on timers. You can brand those. And that way, and those candles last, sixty, I think, 60% longer than if you burn them. That is such a good idea. I hadn't even thought about that. I'm gonna I, love, that I have them all over the house, seriously. I have them in both bathrooms. I have them on my desk. I have one on the mantel. I have one in the kitchen. I love them. Wow. No, I, no lighting. And these can and you know when I'm through with it and it's gotten a little bit strong, I just put the lid back on the candle, and I'm good to go. Oh, that's such a good idea. I'm going to look into that for sure. Go, 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 go. Let me know how it works out. <laughs> Listen, we are. Can you believe this hour is over? Before I let you go, this has been fascinating, and thank you. Was there anything else that you wanted to share with our audience, like a particularly memorable moment or experience or how to reach you? How do you what do you want the audience to know before I let you go? I would say the main thing, because, you know, with the book, my book, The Unconventional Entrepreneur, I am really trying to reach the masses on, you know, I talked about that entrepreneurial dream and all of that. I want, if people are are thinking about it. I want them to pursue it. You know, I don't I don't want people to be scared and it's so much harder nowadays like I was talking about with the Amazons of the world and all that to be successful, but I don't want that to really stifle um someone's dreams. I really want them to pursue it. And so I wrote that book because I wanted to help the masses. And I thought, how can I do that being only one person? Well, I'll just share. I'm not going to gatekeep all of my, you know, how I was able to be successful. I'm going to put it all in a book and I'm going to, you know, hopefully reach the masses. But to say all of that, if you, you know, get the book or not, I I'm, I love, I, it's like, I've learned that, you know, being an entrepreneur, my passion wasn't makeup. It wasn't being a boutique owner. My passion is is branding and helping other people with brands. I love just chit-chatting about brand ideas. And this is my business idea, and this is how I want to brand it. And so all that to say, if you're listening and you just want to chat, I, you know, feel free to reach me, reach out to me on Instagram. Again, it's alexander.nicole.com. 
I just love when someone reaches out and they're like, hey, I've got this idea. I know you don't know me, but I've been following your business journey. And I just, you know, what do you think about this? I will be transparent, open, honest, and I will probably chat, like write a whole book just about your idea. I just love it so much. It's like it could be my hobby to just, um, you know, help people brand and further their ideas. So I am always, always there for that. I love that. And that's part of the authenticity. So you have moved from influencer to real human in my eyes, just so you know. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> It took some doing, I think, because most of the time I'm just going, oh, really? No, no, no. But I didn't really understand, and thank you for sharing that whole journey, because I really have not understood the role of influencers. And I'm not talking about the Kardashians or anybody like them. I don't consider them really to be humans. They probably are, but to me, they're really not. (laughs) (laughs) And I would never, I'll I'll tell you straight out, I would never, if it's recommended by some of these people that call themselves influencers, all of me you're going to see is ass and elbows. I'm gone. I'm heading out the door. I'm not going to buy anything from those people. But somebody like you, uh, go ahead. No, keep on going. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was just saying, there's definitely a stereotype for sure. So I I get that. I mean, I'm there not going to lie. I was the same way. I was like, oh, my God. I, like, that's when I said, when I told you, am I really going to do this? Because I was the same way. I was just like, you know, there's this whole stereotype. I was 1,000% get everything that you're saying right now. Uh, but then when I got into it, I'm going to tell you, I have met now there are some you got to be careful there are some um you know fake people for lack of a better word fake people out there but I've met some pretty incredible uplifting women um in this industry and people that I like we just we were influenced whether it was we were influencers and we were invited to an event, a brand event and we've met and like I've continued to like set up trips with these women and hang out with them. And they're just cool down to earth, just salt of the, what is it, salt of the earth? Uh, yeah. Of women. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I, you know, here I am in the industry with my, with, with those stereotypes in mind. And then I'm, I've met all of these really cool people and it's like, you know, you, like I said, you got to be careful for the fake people out there, but there are a lot of really real women that are making a living doing this and that are just, they're just so cool. And, and, and to share their lives with us, it's just, yeah, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for that too, to have met those people. And I'm so glad we've had this conversation because I admit to, you know, some serious bias about influencers. I think that showed during our chat today. (laughs) But now I have a much better marketing view of it, and I understand what you're saying about marketing. I'm a marketer. We're all all salespeople. So that has been really helpful to me, and I've gotten some good ideas too, just listening, you know, to how you operate and how you show up and how you – Really, you share with other people, and as an influencer, that's isn't that what you're supposed to do? Share advice, tips, you know, with people yeah. that are genuine, not just you know, give me the money. Exactly. Gotcha. Well, listen one more time. Tell people where to find you, and then we will have to wrap it up. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so um, my blog is. City Chic, and that's C-H-I-C, living.com. There will be a little pop-up, and if you want to sign up for the newsletter, I don't spam a lot of inbox. I probably send two a month. My goal is to send one a week, but it never happens. Um, So you can sign up for the newsletter, and I just kind of recap um, twice a month just of what's going on. And if you want to be, you know, if you you want more interaction, my Instagram is alexandra.com. Nicole, and Nicole is spelled N-I-C-O-L-E, and I post on there um, daily and stories daily and and show my new business journey, um, you know, making candles and meeting with clients, and also just my my family, my kids, my husband, just kind of what's happening in life. Um, It's all there, and and if you want to reach out, 
I do have an email on my website, but the Instagram's a great spot because I'm there all the time because it's my, you know, full-time business. So if anyone has a business idea or just wants to wave and say hello, you can just uh, send me a direct message there. Terrific. Thank you so much for being such a fascinating guest. I have thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you. And to our audience, if we if you have enjoyed today's episode and found our insights helpful, Please leave us a review and a rating on iTunes and go find Alexandra. So don't forget to hit that subscribe button, leave a review, and share your partner in Success Radio with your friends and your colleagues. And thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next one. Alexandra, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, Contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.